Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough, and it's the start of a new year, it's a fresh start, 2017, let's not fuck this one up. How are you doing, Bren? <laughs> let's not fuck this up. Everyone's gone. It's only me and Doug. <laughs> Couldn't yeah, get no. anyone else to record. Everyone's um, busy. I mean, like, uh, pulling back the curtains here, it is the, the day we're recording is New Year's Eve, Eve. Yeah. so everyone's got plans unlike me and brad <laughs> <laughs> can't blame them uh yeah i know a lot of people are just like oh yeah new year's eve gonna get shivvies like you're you know out on your own in like la i was like i can't afford alcohol like what are you talking about i'm not wasting my money on that yeah so uh but i'm doing all right How that's good to hear yeah i'm not doing bad myself should be i'm well for our listeners it's a new year so i'm excited to see what's on the horizon for us <laughs> gonna try to get some good interviews hopefully scheduled and just keep doing what we we do best which is whatever we do <laughs> whatever the hell this is i saw i forget who it was i saw someone tweet out there like man people are gonna be really disappointed in 2017 when people still die it's like <laughs> yeah it wasn't just like just this year it wasn't 2016 killing off everyone it's just it's the natural order people die yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be funny when like oh no the first celebrity death of 2017 it's still happening it's like yeah well, yeah, why wouldn't it still happen? Yeah, I just think hating on the year 2016 itself became, like, viral. Like, people were just like, you know what? Yeah, fuck that shit. And it's like, every year we lose celebrities. I don't know. I remember that whole last segment we did at the end of, like, <laughs> the last episode. I was like, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, the celebrity thing is just because we're a celebrity, whether you like it or not, America is a celebrity-based culture. And it's just, there were... A lot. I saw statistics saying it was like 30 more celebrities, you know, quote celebrities, whatever you want to put on that, uh, died this year in the last like two years. Uh, but I, there are lists out there saying like, you know, great things that happened in 2016. It just because of the fucking media and like journalism and stuff. And they just promote all the bad stuff because that's what draws people in. Like it's depressing. You get sucked in and you get paranoid. You're like, I hope this doesn't happen to me. And you're like, and it maybe it'll motivate you to like, maybe I can help other people. So it's just, it gets people's attention and sticks with you. That's yeah. why like a thousand compliments don't stick with you nearly as long as one negative like insult you find on the internet. So it just, it sticks with you longer. So that's why people have this image of like 2016 was fucking terrible. And granted, a lot of bad stuff happened. A lot of bad stuff happened. But there's also like child mortality rates, like de the lowest it's ever been around the world. And like solar panels cheaper than it's ever been. And, and like there's just there's a few lists out there saying like good stuff that happened. Yeah, we're continuing to get listens. Uh <laughs> <laughs> somehow we're still going. Yeah. Though but, I don't know no, if that's good. That might be in the bad category for some people. Oh gosh. Yeah. Me. Potentially. Yeah. But it's I don't know. It's funny how like personal some of the celebrity deaths are taken by like certain people. Like the Carrie Fisher thing, like I saw certain friends posting like that was my first crush and like uh, when I first saw Star Wars and stuff. So I totally get how like it can be really crushing, but it's also you just kind of have to take it in stride and it's going to happen to all the celebrities. It's going to happen to all of us no matter what. So you just got to kind of deal with that. It I don't know. Yeah, it I mean I think it's kind of a shame because she, she, everyone's like, oh, she was Princess Leia. But like, she also did, she also overcame a lot, like, in her personal life and wrote a great book and was a strong advocate for, like, mental health. And I think she was bipolar, I think. So she was a strong advocate for that. So she, like, she did great stuff, like, as Carrie Fisher and, like, not as Princess Leia. Yeah. So, like, I, it'd be good to remember that. But yeah, there were some. Like Gene Wilder, I was kind of just like fuck. But then like you see pictures of him, like when he was older, and it's like he's he's not looking great. And 
I think when his wife died, he really took a turn for the worse. So it's just like, it, it happens. I mean, I, I wish he didn't die, but you know, it's, it's unavoidable. Well, I can't imagine being someone like Paul F. Tompkins, who does all sorts of different characters like that are based off of real people. And then those real people pass away. And like, does that mean that that character is like no longer doable for a while because it's like pretty touchy that they're no longer with us? Or like, you know what I mean? Like that stuff's, I don't know. That's tough. Well, for Comedy Bang Bang, he actually does Alan Thick, who was the dad in Growing Pains, I think. Yep. And he died this year. Um, I, but I remember James Adonian, who, Adomian, who is an amazing impersonator, like an amazing impressionist. Yes. It's phenomenal. And he's on Comedy Bang Bang all the time. And he did Huel Hauser, who I guess does a segment called California Gold on like a California TV channel or something. I've no, I don't know who he actually is, but I know James Adomian did an impersonation of him a lot on Comedy Bang Bang. And when Huel Hauser actually died, James Adomian, uh, retired the character and he like, talked about it on Comedy Bang Bang, saying, like, hey, I did him as a character. It was a character. It was over-the-top caricature. Uh, and it was really fun doing it, but, I, you know, I'm going to retire this persona out of respect for him. Yeah. So that's it, what... it could happen. Like, you know, that's up to the actual performer themselves and whether they want to, you know, address it as much. Well, did Alan Thicke pass away this year? Yeah. And so did Gary Marshall. Those are two of his, yeah. like, roles that he does. So it's like, that's just interesting how it would affect your comedy situation that you, you play these characters. Everyone loves your impersonations of them because they are over the top, obviously. But then, and then these people pass away and it almost kind of makes it like, I shouldn't be joking about this. The kind of the whole, like, too soon premise, you know? Yeah, because there's plenty of comedians who do you know, personas of dead people. I forget his name, Mike something, but he does John Lennon on Comedy Bang Bang, who is dead. Like Oh, Mike so, Hanford. Hanford, yeah. So, like, and I I think you're right where it's the too soon mark, where it's like, yeah, people can joke about John Lennon because it was, like, 30, 40 years ago, but, like, if they died within this year, eh, it's a little iffy. Yeah. But I think Todd Glass, I, he's the one I've heard first say, but I think he's got a good idea about it, is as long as it's funnier than it is morbid, like, as long as it makes you laugh harder than it makes you question, like, oh, that's distasteful, like, then it works. But it's, a, like, depending on what it is or who it is or how recent it is, that changes on the levels. Like, you know, if you're yeah. making fun of, of someone who died, like, that day, it's like, that's not good. Like, but, like, I saw, I think on Reddit or somewhere, someone drew a picture of Princess Leia beating down the Grim Reaper, like, when she was state when she had the heart attack, but then went stable. And it said, like, not today, the force is too strong. And then she died, like, two days later. And it's like, that that was a bad idea to draw that, you know, image. Because, just because she was stable. People have that big misconception, especially medically, is if you're stable, it means you're not immediately dying. It doesn't mean you're healthy. It doesn't mean that you're going to get discharged from the hospital within the hour. It just means you're not actively bleeding out or, like, on fire. So like, just because <laughs> someone's stable, it doesn't mean they're safe. And I think this is a prime example of it because she was deprived of oxygen for 15 minutes. So even if she did recover like miraculously from the heart attack, just the oxygen deprivation like would have been enough to really damage some stuff. So it's a shame, but like let it be like a learning experience that like just because someone's stable doesn't mean safe. So yeah. take that you know with, with a, it might be a little pessimist, but it's also a cautious way of thinking of something. Well, at least she didn't catch fire. 
Yeah, that's always great. <laughs> uh, is that too soon? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, let's <laughs> let's move. To, uh, let's go back. This is a video game podcast. What the fuck are we doing? Um, what have you been playing? I mean, we recorded not long ago, so I'm sure we haven't gotten too much further. But I did get a little further along in Final Fantasy 15 and stuff I could talk about. But let's hear from you first. Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15 looks. It looks like Witcher, like a big open world game, like Witcher or Metal Gear Solid. Like it, it looks is. super fun, but it's kind of like. And I, I hear great things because it's not like, oh, you have to have played the f- other Final Fantasy games. Like, I guess that's the benefit of Final Fantasy is the worlds are always so different. So there's very little, little that carries over between the games. So I guess that's a benefit of it. Mm-hmm. But, but there's also so many Easter eggs of seeing like, uh, the Tonberries and Sid. Like, there's a character named Sid, I think, in every single game. Yeah. So there is like Easter eggs and stuff, but like, I don't know. And it's also weird that it's like, you're a boy band essentially driving across country. And yeah. like, it's so popular, like it works so well and everyone loves it. Like if I, if you told me that I would be like, Oh, this is going to be terrible. It's clearly just pandering to like a demographic or two. And it's like, fuck, it works. Like apparently it's super well. Well, while we're talking about it, I might as well say my thoughts on it. It feels like I actually got around to playing Final Fantasy 14 and it, it, and that was the online version. And I only played very briefly, but I enjoyed that. It was very just like, chore like do this quest level up all this kind of stuff you can unlock different things and other and it was like a really fun game i loved the graphics and the community but i didn't feel like paying a a monthly fee to just uh enjoy that game so i ended Mm -hmm. up only playing for a few months and now this it feels very final fantasy 14 ish but like especially the fact that you have these people traveling along in your party and it's like it's almost as if you have like a little online party with you, but they're not online. So I don't know. I like the AI companions and how you control them. It's very Kingdom Hearts in the sense of like, instead of just having Donald and Goofy, you have like Donald, Goofy and somebody else. And you can like, uh, change their gear and like give them different, like, I don't know. It's, it's very enjoyable. The, the combat system. And I'm just really sucked in that. Like AJ was telling us, it is very Kingdom Hearts like, which is, a dream come true, but I don't know. I love how you can phase around. Mars 3. Oh, God damn it. I, <laughs> you said that about last guardian. It's out. So I'm sh- I sure hope that kingdom hearts three is right around the corner. It, uh, it better be this year. I mean, give me a break. It should definitely be this year, but if it's not, uh, but I don't know. Final Let's fantasy see. 15 is the tits. It's so good. Got to check it out. Well, Oh God, kingdom Hearts two came out in 2005. So technically it's even, going longer than last guardian last guardian was only like nine years this is yeah, going no. up to like 11 to 12 years now i i never would have seen this coming i i really if you would have told me that when i first beat kingdom hearts 2 that it'd be over 10 years until the sequel i would have been <laughs> devastated i'd have been like you, you, that can't be true because i remember the day i beat it i'm like i cannot wait for the next game they've been pumping these out pretty quick let's see when that's going to be out probably give it like five years and then here we are like double that plus yeah. <laughs> i remember talking to a friend in high school being like i don't know why it's taking so long like yeah, the entire God of War franchise was made within the time of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. So, like, how, and those are great. I love those, like, up to 3 after that. I don't know what happens. But, like, so it's funny how one franchise can just be pumped out like crazy when it's got the giant network, uh, giant studio head, like, Sony behind it. But then again, God of War wasn't as in-depth as Kingdom Hearts. Like, I'll fully admit that, but it was so fun. Yeah, no, I did enjoy the 
God of War games. But yeah. as far as the whole boy band goes, I do like <laughs> the the aspect of how each one of us has our own little skill that we focus on. So Prompto has his photography, Noctis has fishing, Ignis has cooking, and uh, Gladi. Oh, what the hell's his name? I forget. Gladius. I, Gladius. Yeah, Gladiolus or something. He has uh, survival, and I personally. You guys know how in Final Fantasy IX, I literally just got lost in the whole card game. What the hell is it called? <laughs> Tetramaster. And I would play that for hours. Well, here now I'm finding myself playing, or it's not even like a mini game. It's just you go fishing, and I fish more than I do anything else in this game. It is so fun. It's throwing me back to like the old school uh dark cloud games we used to fish around and stuff and it is just so cool because there's all different lures you can try and like the different fish are like gonna just like pass up different colored lures and i don't know i'm the the way you reel them in is really suspenseful especially if it's like a really big fish and on your radar like uh certain ones will like like i don't know how to say it other than like have like a circle around it which means like i don't know it's like a really badass fish and i was only able to catch one of those once and it was like a really hardcore fight where i used like the reinforced fishing line which has like 1500 health on it like cuz the fishing line as you're like battling the fish like the health of the line goes down and i fucking reeled this guy in with only 64 health left on the line it was so close i was like oh my god and it was just, it was just very badass. I love that game. And then one thing that was extra exciting was as I'm like fishing, you can see some of the fish in the water as you're like, uh, it depends on where you're fishing, I guess. But I was in a lake and I saw all the different fish on the radar, like represented. And then there was one that wasn't on the radar and it was like, four or five times the size of your average fish it was like this colossal motherfucker and i was like oh my god so it just gives me hope that you like there's something like insane once you get your fishing level up high enough you can like pull in something enormous i'm not sure if that's true if that's going to be feasible or not but it was just cool to even see it yeah you have a goal to strive for even in this small like mini game like side exactly section. That's like, I even remember when AJ first started talking about this, I was like, oh, how I play GTA is, I don't even do, I don't play the actual game. I just go run around the city and do whatever the fuck I want. Um, This is like very similar. I could see myself getting lost in so many different aspects of this game. You're right. It is kind of very much its own little like Witcher, even though I haven't played that. I'm sure Witcher's beyond, way more beyond expansive and like larger world, but the open world aspect in a Final Fantasy environment is what everyone has been wanting for years. Yeah, I'd be interested to see, I mean, I would recommend you playing Witcher just because they're so fucking good, but I'd be interested to see what you think of Gwent, the card game in Witcher, because me and Mark have talked about it, like we really struggled with it and we're just like, I, I don't enjoy it. It's to, to me, it was tough because you start off with the basic deck, like the lowest rank deck you can get. And then like certain, you would randomly play other NPC characters and you, there was, it didn't seem to be like a level like, oh, the people in this city are low ranked card players. The city, people in this city are high ranked Gwent players. It just seemed to be random. So you could just randomly bump into like a little kid and he is this monstrous deck that just fucks you over entirely. So it's just like, well, I guess I can't beat a child. So why would I play against anyone else? Um, but it it clearly has a huge fan base because they took that mini game from Witcher and turned it into its own game, which I think yeah just got just went public or it was in beta for a while and I saw a bunch of people streaming it in beta, but I think it was a closed beta. Uh, so it's definitely doing well as its own game as just a card game. 
Um, and it also makes me question how weird is it in that world of Witcher to play a game where you and all your friends are cards. Like you play as Geralt and there's like four Geralt cards and then every one of his friends is also a card in this card game. Like, so that's gotta be weird, right? That's very weird. It's like, it's like the whole, it's a small world after all, like concept of just like, I don't know, everybody knows everybody. And <laughs> that, that'd just be very like, imagine bumping into someone being like, Oh, you're in that card. I ha- You're that card. I." Ha- <laughs> yeah. I guess it's cause like, I remember back in like, you know, MySpace days, I saw some, some people were saying like, oh, you, I didn't know you had a MySpace. It's like, I don't. It's like, well, I saw a bunch of pictures of you on there. It's like, what? It's like, what do you mean there's pictures of me somewhere that I don't know about? Like, the fuck is this? So it was, it's very odd. But um, yeah, so the card game's definitely doing well. It's not for me. I But then it's why I don't play Hearthstone or uh, any of those other. There's a new one, like Eternal, I think, is free. And it's also kind of, it's pretty much a Hearthstone clone. Like, I know a lot of people are saying that with, like, card games lately, because it's, like, Blizzard, like, everything else Blizzard does, it found a good model, and people are just copying it and changing it. But this other game, Eternal, looks exactly like Hearthstone. As far as I can tell, I don't play either of those, so maybe there's some nuances or details that I'm missing. But okay. it, this looks a lot like it. Whereas Gwent, I can definitely see differences in Gwent. But it's, I mean, hey, people love them. So, uh, if you were excited for Gwent, I think it's out. Or at least yeah. it should be soon. I think it is too. Um, have you played any phone games at all? No, I never play games on my phone. I'm never anywhere. Like I'm never out anywhere. I'm like, oh, I guess I got some free time. I'm always like, I I go outside. I have a purpose. And I do it. And I'm back home. That's it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, there's this one that I remember. I saw a random tweet go by. I think it was from Alex Korea from the Attack, and he recommended a phone game called Pin Out, and it's basically a pinball game, but it's not typical. It's like very futuristic, where like you're just progressively getting from one pinball arena to the next, and it's kind of like on a time base. It's very challenging. I found like I actually ended up giving up on it i don't i'm not sure if i'm going to return to it or not but i'm sure there's a the type of gamer that's out there that's on mobile that will really enjoy it so if you're into pinball kind of games it's free uh and you want to and it's like not your typical pinball game you might want to look into pin pin out um and then another one that i'm looking forward to but have no information on and hasn't really been released yet is this dynasty warriors unleashed it's going to be a mobile game and I I saw that there was a, a beta to sign up for, so I gave him my email address. So I'm really excited to get my hands on that and give that a try. So I'll be keeping our listeners posted. It is Android only, though. I'm not. I, it does say iOS coming soon. So uh, you can, as of now, listener, uh, sign up for the beta. We'll try to put a link in the show notes. Yeah, I'm assuming that's simply because Android is easier to work with and probably more forthcoming with some of the details to make stuff work with the phone versus uh apple and iphones and stuff but it does say a device with performance equal to or greater than a galaxy s5 is required to run the game so if you're running some old hardware you might not be able to try this one that's what i was thinking like when i first heard of this i was like that's gotta be pretty demanding especially on a small phone like so there's gonna be probably some pretty heavy requirements on what phone you have because just the dynasty i love the dynasty warriors games and there's just so many enemies. Like it's just it's like a power fantasy. You're just super powerful and you cut down thousands of enemies. So it just there's not a thousand on at screen on any one time. But there's like at least like a hundred maybe. 
So I'm sure they would have to scale that down for the phone, but there's still probably like 20 to 30 guys, like body and character models on your phone, maybe at any given time. So it's, it's probably got to be pretty hefty. Yeah, that's a definite, uh, definitely impressive feat for them. I'm going to be interested to try it out. It's funny though, because that's a franchise too. When you think about it, like even outside of the mobile realm, they're just very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they encourage their game, their users to continually purchase stuff. So like skins and like extra characters and like all that stuff is on the PSN store. If you go type in Dynasty Warriors, like there'll be like a million different packages of like skins and updates and all like maps and stuff of like all these different extra things you can buy, which is cool and all, but it's also just like, I don't know, frustrating. So it makes sense <laughs> that this, it makes sense that they're the ones to be like, Oh, well, look at this. That's all that mobile is. So I'm curious to see if this game launches free and then all the money they make is going to be on in-app purchases or if they're going to launch the game at a certain price and then in, in on top of it, put certain, uh, attributes and things inside the game, like have cost money. What do you think? I definitely think it won't be free simply because of how much it costs to develop this and how much it would be to like scale this down into the phone. Like this isn't, this isn't like, uh, jetpack joyride clones where it's just like a 2D, like you press one button to float, like the, uh, was a flappy bird. It's not Cookie just like clicker. Those. <laughs> Cookie no, clicker. It's not those really cheap, like 2D, like it was some guy drew this all on his weekends. Like there's definitely like a team behind it. So I don't think it's going to be free, but I think it'll probably be on the cheaper side. To kind of lure you in, like, oh, wow, this is only $5? Like, sweet, that's a good deal. And then, yeah, it's going to just bombard you with in-app purchases and microtransactions and DLC stuff. Because that I haven't played, I haven't really played any Dynasty Warriors on the, it, it's hard to say next-gen or, like, recent-gen consoles, but even, like, old, like, PS3, I haven't played any of those. But I'm not at all surprised that it's filled with DLC stuff, because that's always what Dynasty Warriors has been. It's always been the same game just updated graphics or like remodeled characters and then released the next year. Like I would say they're the Madden of hack and slash games because nothing changes except for sometimes with a roster. Sometimes they'll add like one or two new characters per game. Yeah. And then everyone just gets new skins and makeovers and stuff. And in my opinion, they get worse as they go. Like I'm, <laughs> I remember my uh, playing one time and my dad just came in and he's like, what? What the hell is this? What is this soap opera you're watching? Because like all the guys had makeup on and stuff and like eyeliner, and I'm just like, yeah, that's that's a fair criticism. Like they get really dolled up, like to to the point where they kind of look like uh, what is this? real life fuck dolls. boys, no. yeah, fuck boys, fuck boys. <laughs> um, so it's it is kind of weird, but I'm hoping. I mean, the game's gonna be filled with migration actions. That's undeniable. That's good, yeah. definitely gonna happen. Um. But I feel like it might be on par because I remember early on, like before I even had a smartphone, I bought uh, Infinity Blade. That was an early mobile game, I think by Chair Studios, who did Shadow Complex, which was also really good. Um, so I think that's coming for the Xbox One. If you can find Shadow Complex, I highly recommend it. I think it's on PC now, too. It's an amazing Castlevania sort of game or Metroidvania. Nice. Um, but Infinity Blade was a really cool, almost like Dark Souls, I would even cons- uh, compare it to, where you're just like a soldier or a knight, and you would just go through on this like linear path. You didn't move him. He walked on his own, and then it would just be quick time events for when you're fighting bigger and like crazier characters, and you had to match their swords to block it, and then you had to counter it like 
seeing which one they're open. Like if they swing low, you swing high. If they swing high, you swing low, and that sort of stuff. Um, and the graphics were really cool. Like uh, they might be a little dated now, but like for a phone, it wasn't just this little, you know, flappy bird like cartoony style. Like this was crazy over the top graphics and just scaled down. It was really cool. I remember that was five dollars, but I it was definitely worth it. And then I think Infinity Blade Two was also pretty good. I think the third one's supposed to have sucked. I think that's when they started like weighing you down with like pay to win sort of stuff. And there's not much of a story, but it was really cool. And if if you can still find it, you can still get it on your phone. I don't know if you can or not. I think I got it for an iPod Touch because it was before I had smartphones. Um, I highly recommend those because those were nuts and also pretty tough. Okay. So I, f- I feel like it might be similar to that level of combat where, you know, if you look at screenshots of Infinity Blade, it's it, it's it looks like a PS2 game. Or maybe like an early PS3 game level of graphics. So I think it's going to be something on par with that. And I was always surprised more stuff like this didn't catch on for smartphones. Because clearly it's capable of doing it. But I think it would just be too much work and money and effort for studios to really give a shit about for a mobile game. Yeah. And I don't know. I wonder if that's probably in the gaming industry like the lowest tier of like to the in their eyes they're probably like we we don't even want to fuck with mobile we want to do the real games like and i'm not saying that's like the good mentality to have but it's probably something that's commonly shared in the industry yeah that's kind of why i don't play a lot of mobile games because it just to from what it, it seems like it's just the money makers now they like you know not everyone you play a lot of mobile games and you don't spend money on them but it's like gambling they want the whale they want people to <laughs> they just want those like five people that just get hooked to this game for whatever reason. It's their favorite game of all time, and they just unload hundreds of dollars into yeah, it. They'll just suck them dry. <laughs> yeah. So like they put little effort into it, and then they get big rewards when they find the whale. So like it just a lot of the mobile games I've seen have just been really cheap and like unintuitive or uninteresting or just it to me a lot of them just seem like quick cash grabs by big corporations or by companies or whatever. Um, there definitely are some gems, but my God, do you have to sort through a lot of it to find them? Oh yeah, definitely. And that's what I mean. If you're a mobile gamer at all, like myself, like you, I, my biggest recommendation is to only play free. Like never, if, even just like, unless it's a game you really enjoy and you can like be like, oh, let's remove some ads. Sure. Support the developer you enjoy. But other than that, just like play, there's so much out there that's free that you could just dick around and then uninstall. That's how you play mobile. Yeah, Puzzle Quest or Puzzle Forge 2 is the only game I still have on my phone, and I still play it from time to time. It's definitely one of the best games I've ever played on mobile, and I ha- I haven't spent any money on it, but I'd rather would I'd rather just donate to the developers directly if they had like a PayPal account than I would buying stuff in game. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know. I feel like that gets div- divvied up by like the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, uh, the phone. I feel like that gets split up if you pay in in app purchases stuff versus like if i could just give directly so i knew my money was going to the people that worked on the thing i liked as opposed to the people that got the licensing to the thing i like yeah i know what you mean yeah um well then another thing that i noticed is uh one of the sites that we've referenced in the past alpha beta gamer put out a best their best game of the year awards um even though at the end they say this is completely subjective so like take it take it with <laughs> well, like a grain of salt well at least they put that a lot of people don't even put that because like you have to realize like it's 
either one person or a group of people that put this list together. It's not like this, you know, all knowing algorithm, like AI, that's like, this is definitively the best things of all time. Like, no, it's, this is clearly someone's opinion who are like, yeah, I agree with this. (laughs) Exactly. Because you get so many people complaining, like, ah, this game's terrible. It's like, all right, well, this game was really great for this, the author of this article. So that's why it's on here. Yeah, that's what I mean. They have, like, about, I don't know, maybe a dozen or more categories here. I'm going to read some of these off, because it, it, a few of them our listeners should recognize, because... Uh, I, recogni- I recognize one of them. Okay. Uh, well, Best Simulator, we got a Totally Accurate Battle Simulator. I mentioned it on a previous episode, saying how I want to check that out. It looks awesome. Um, honorable mentions Feral and KMF, which is Kill, Mary Fish interested in that <laughs> um we also uh have coolest style the winner was return of the obra din uh and the animal oh. mentions uh we have virginia uh and zed which we actually had chuck carter who was responsible for zed um oh, yeah what were you gonna say i remember return of the obra din is actually by the same guy that did uh papers please and it looks really neat i wanted to actually get him on the podcast if i could so, nice yeah maybe this year <laughs> <laughs> Uh, biggest twist, they said the the winner is 321, and they said four, well, we'd rather not tell you. I'm like, yeah, I'm, now I really want to, <laughs> I really want to check that one out if it's got the biggest twist. Yeah. Um, most ridiculous physics, cluster truck, another yeah. one that's like on my list that I really need to buy and just play. I'm really excited to check that out. Um, I think that game, like, it looked cool. I played the alpha of it. It was fun, but I think since it's been released, like, to purchase, it's now been integrated with Twitch. So if you're streaming it, your viewers on Twitch can, like, vote for uh, different, like, changes to the trucks, like, thin trucks or fat trucks or low gravity or laser trucks, and there's lasers on every truck, like, flying around trying to kill you. And I think that's actually made it unplayable on Twitch, because (laughs) you just have so many people trying to fuck you over constantly, and it's so hard to actually get through a level. So It's so hard, and like, by itself, but then when you have additional difficulty added on by sadistic viewers it makes it a lot harder so like it it is a fun game but i don't think you should stream it i think that's kind of ruining it and making it too hard wow that's really interesting it is entertaining though it's certainly entertaining to watch people struggle through it definitely and that's why i'll i'll probably end up streaming it and you guys can watch me struggle uh (laughs) most fun gameplay mechanic went to semblance best innovation went to walkie talkie most emotional experience went to day by day all of these I've never heard of, so they're going to have to be ones, and I'm sure hopefully some of our listeners have played these or are learning about them for the first time. Yeah, uh, we that's, have- that's the thing. Alpha beta gamers are fucking amazing at just finding the little hidden gems. Like like I said, I've only heard of a few of these on here, which is great, and it shows that, like, hey, here's more stuff I can play instead of shilling out more money for comedically terrible games like Bad Rats the Show. Yeah, and we hold their opinions in high regard. They have great taste in everything. So definitely like frequent their website too. They're cool people. Yeah. Um Biggest Scares, Hello Neighbor, uh Most Addictive Gameplay, Command of War, Best Fan Game, No Mario's Sky, which I'm gonna <laughs> actually have to take a little side uh tangent to talk about. And then the yeah. funniest game was Soviet Humor Humor. Um, so a bunch of these I'm going to have to do some research on because a lot of them I'm unfamiliar with. And I love how they just give reputation to all these like indie developers. And like, I, I'm glad that we have a podcast where we can also continue to spread the word and be like, yo, check out these games that you've never heard of. It's probably mm-hmm. either free or pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, 
But this No Mario's Sky. Now, all right, already the title gives it away that they're making like a stab at No Man's Sky. Um, it and it's apparently it was a fan made game that Nintendo went to the trouble of actually shutting down because the main character had the likeness of Mario. And they, the create, the devs of that game then, after getting shut down, went on to make another version of it called No DMCA Sky. And it's, <laughs> and it, it's the exact same game, but instead of it being Mario, it's just like a little like astronaut guy. So, and the sad thing is people who first were tuning into Alpha Beta Gamer's website in like late August of 2016 would have had a, would have had the opportunity to download the original No Mario Sky with the Mario as the main character. So there are probably a few people that have that version, but it's very few if any. And then now there's the No DMCA Sky that our listeners can get access to if you want to check it out. But it's basically a mashup of no Man's Sky, Super Mario's, uh, you pilot your ship around and stuff. It looks ridiculous. There's some GIFs on the page if you want to navigate over there. Uh, I think it was made in 72 hours for Ludum Dare uh, 36, so it's pretty oh, wow. ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous that they made a, a cute little fan game that looks really interesting and cool. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised Nintendo shut it down, though, because that's... There's a whole branch of Nintendo, especially Japanese, who are very strict uh, with this sort of stuff, that their whole job is just to hunt down stuff on the internet that has likeness to Nintendo properties and to just shut them down. The Pokemon, uh, was it Isotope or Pokemon Plutonium? It was like, took 11 years to make or something and got shut down the first day it was out. There was a Metroid game, like a fan-made Metroid game, and it was amazing. I saw someone stream it, and it, it looked... Just like a Metroid game. It was amazing. Like the old school Metroid. And it was great. And that got shut down, I think, two days after it got released or something. Uh. So it's, it's no surprise. And it's that's what happens with intellectual property. And if someone has the copyrights to it. And there's plenty of stuff that gets... Plenty of stuff that people, that companies let go. And they're like, we'll let this happen because it's so small scale. And no one's like making actual money off of it. But there's plenty of it that just gets immediately shut down. Like super fast. Well, I like how they get around it by just rewording a couple of things and re uh giving a different sprite for the main character. So instead of it being Princess like Peach and Mario, it's like Princess Mango and Spaceman Finn. And then like they instead of Goombas, they're now fighting Moombas. Like all they had to do is literally change everything by one letter and then you're good to go. And it's almost as it's why didn't you launch it that way? That, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you could clearly be still making references to it and, like, homages and, like, winks and nods to it without directly saying, like, this is Mario and his pet Yoshi and his brother Luigi and, like, then get, you know, slammed with cease and desist yeah, by uh, Nintendo. Unless you are Nintendo, don't, like, impersonate them. <laughs> yeah, the one game I played, Evo Land, is full of references and Mario and Bomberman and Sora from Kingdom Hearts and Link from Zelda, like, tons of stuff that definitely should have them shut down but i don't think they're actually none of them are set none of it says what those are like if you talk to them the character just speaks it doesn't say like mario says or it never says like that's captain america's shield like they never say stuff by name but looking at it it's very obvious that it's just a bunch of references and that's all that game is it's only references the game is pretty bad oh gosh yeah but I thought that was an interesting little best of list. So thanks for that, Alpha Beta Gamer. Always happy to give you guys a shout out. Yeah, it's always good to find these hidden gems. Like uh, 
was it Origami Origami? That was fun. Oh yeah, hell yeah. That's a um, callback. Yeah. Uh let's see. Uh speaking of like small indie stuff, I recently played Thomas Was Alone, which it came out I think in 2012, so it's not super new, uh but I got it pretty cheap on the winter sale. And holy shit, that is a great game. That's an amazing game. That's yeah. just like super well done and executed. Yeah. What do you do? It's a platformer and it's as minimalist as you can get with platformers. You play as squares, sometimes rectangles. Oh shit. And that's it. Like that that's what the characters are. They're different colored squares. And um there's an over or like a narrator that like voices over everything. Not everything you do, but he says like usually like a paragraph at the beginning and then if something happens in level he'll add a little thing or two. But it's not like constantly talking. Um and that's really it. And he get you know, he says like, Oh, this is Thomas, he's a red rectangle, this is Chris, he's an orange cube, and this is Claire, a giant blue square, and this is John, a long yellow rectangle. And like that's it, but like it does every normally for little platformers and stuff like this, I'll listen to a podcast or music, my own music or something else and just zone out and knock through this. But for this, I highly recommend that you play it without any other media. Like you just listen to just the music and just the voiceover and just focus on just the game while you play it. Cause everything meshes together so perfectly and it works together so well. And I mean, it, it makes you feel empathy for these little pixels. Like, it humanizes small cubes and makes you feel more for them than some of the big AAA titles out there. So there's dialogue going on between these cubes that is, like, compelling enough that you like this game. Well, no, that's the thing. There's not even dialogue between the cubes. It's just the narrator, the voiceover, is the only talk. So it just says, like, he'd just be like, ah, Chris always hated Thomas. He thought he was a know-it-all since Thomas was always whipping out a notebook and writing down information or stuff. But like, yeah, it sounds ridiculous when I say it. And it's one of those things where it's just like, you have to play it to really understand. Um, it's 250 right now on sale. And like I said, it's 2012. So it's pretty old. So anytime it goes on sale, it'll probably go for 250, like that cheap. I, I cannot recommend it more. It's super well done. Every, character has a different like trait or skill so you have to swap between them to solve the puzzles um the puzzles overall get progressively more difficult but sometimes you'll have a really hard puzzle and then like two pretty easy ones like once you figure out what it is you can knock through it really quick and it just it's a really good game and i know most people have probably already heard of it or know that it's a really good game and i'm just late to the game but I cannot recommend it more. It's super good. And uh, my one complaint is when you start having multiple characters at the bottom right of the screen, you'll have the different colored cubes to just show you which one you're playing as like highlight and which one's next in the order. Uh, You use Q and E to switch between them, but that's inversed. So I would assume Q would go left and E goes right, but Q goes right and E goes left in the Hmm. order. So that always really threw me off and, like I always had to stop, make sure I knew which one I was controlling before I moved. That took me a while. Um, and for anyone who has played it, there's nine chapters to the initial story, and then chapter ten unlocks. So you have to go back into the like chapter selector, start at chapter ten, and then once you beat that, you get chapter eleven. So I know some people who've played it and they only got to nine and are like, "Oh, that was neat," but there's there's a little like extra after you beat the initial game. 
they can go back and keep playing. Um, but yeah, it's so well done. And I just bought it on a whim because it was cheap. But goddamn, it's, it's really impressive. Nice. I would highly recommend that for anyone looking for a good platformer. And it's really not that long. Like I said, it's 11 chapters. So I think I got, uh, maybe like five hours into it. Uh, let's see. Uh, three hours. So yeah, it only took me three hours to beat the whole thing. Oh wow. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's super well done. Uh, besides that, I've been watching a lot of, str- I mean, Overwatch Winter's Event coming into an end. By the time you guys hear this, it will already be over and I'll probably have to buy my Zenyatta skin because I can't get it. But Bl- Blizzard will happily give me f- three fucking Torbjorn Santa skins and only give me 200 coins for each one. Alright, so I-, I have a side tangent, but you keep going. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so Overwatch, still planned on that. Uh, and I haven't been playing it because it's a PS4 exclusive, but I've been watching a lot of streams of it. Uh, something you actually brought up, I think you brought it up on the podcast, or at least we've talked about it off-air. Uh, but Let It Die is on the PS4, and it's free. Yes, I remember bringing it up uh, many episodes ago, and I was just—it was one in passing that we didn't really spend a lot of time on. But in general, I was just blown away that it looks so like decent graphics, and it's free. So I should definitely at least give it a try. Is yeah, it out? I think, yeah, I think we skipped over it because it was only a cinematic trailer at the time. So we really didn't have any idea what the game itself that's was. So we were definitely, like, eh. That's definitely it. You're right. Yeah. So it was like, I mean, it kind of looks neat, but we don't know anything what it is. And it turns out it's, it's combat is similar to Dark Souls, but I would, from what I could hear from the streamers say is it's probably less like, t- it's less tight with controls. Like they're kind of like harder to do and not as precise. Um, but the, the fighting is similar to that mechanic. And it's this crazy, like, post-apocalyptic world it's like 2026 or something uh the initial voiceover for the uh beginning cinematic is mark hamill so a plus right there yeah i love it and it's just like almost like sword art online story where this giant like tower it's called the tower of barbs just erupts from the city and it's just like hell inside the tower and like you just have to fight your way through and get to the top and apparently at the top, you like get something like a wish gets granted. I'm not sure exactly what, but it's that, it's that mentality where it's just, it, it's just this big tower out of nowhere and you have to fight your way through. That's about as much story as you get. And your like helpful assistant, like teacher sort of character is called Uncle Death. And he's essentially <laughs> the grim, the grim reaper on a skateboard wearing these like crazy, like hypno, hypno glasses. But it's by us, it's by Suda51. And people might know that name from, uh, no more heroes, and uh, his or his other games, Moonlight Syndrome, Killer Seven, Contract. He's got a lot of games that are just very clear of his style, like definitive of his style. Lollipop Chainsaw, oh, so yeah. it's Shadows of the Damned. I know we talked about that uh, before. So it's just crazy, over the top, silly, but also insanely gory and stuff, and it. It just works very well. It it knows what it is and handles itself very well, and it's it's great. And it looks really cool. One mechanic I like is when you die, you get you know you can come back to life if you have the certain materials you need. Uh, but if you don't, your body stays there with all of its gear, and you have to start fresh. And it, like you, your characters are just these empty vessels. And they're literally just meant to be thrown into this tower of barbs and killed and then brought back. Like, you don't play as, like, a person or, like, 
there's no heritive narrative of the protagonist. You're literally just this empty shell of a creature. So when you die, your body stays there with all of its gear, and then it comes back to life as an enemy. And if you want to get your stuff back, you have to go hunt down your body and then kill yourself in that where you last died. That's cool. I I like that mechanic, and it, it, that's very Dark Souls and the whole like you're not like I don't know like the hollow vibe and stuff. But like yeah. you don't have to go and find your own body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something I liked. And then yeah, like Dark Souls, there's uh, you have, can have friends who can send in. When you die, you're not called a hollow. You're called a hater. So it's like the haterfication of your body. Um, so they can your friends can send in like their haters to attack you. And then there's, like, I think certain people can just invade your world. So it's very Dark Souls-esque, but done in a Suda51 style. Wow, and it's, and it's really, free. Yeah, and it's free. Like, I, if you have a PS4, play this game. Yeah, that's why I'm going to check this out uh, once we're off the call here. But the interesting thing is that it's kind of the whole, there's no such thing as a free lunch. I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of downloadable, like, oh, well, if you pay 12 bucks, you get this awesome weapon that's going to kick your <laughs> friends' asses. But, like, I don't know, that's every game, so I don't hold it against them at all. Yeah, there's materials you can find in the actual game, and you can bring back and give it to this guy who can uh, research stuff and build stuff for you. You can find blueprints and stuff. But as far as I know right now, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be DLC and microtransactions at the ass, because it's free like, how else would you pay for a game to have the scale? For yeah, for that's what I'm getting at. Yep. Yeah. So, but as far as I know right now, the only thing that you can pay for, I mean, once again, I don't have a PS4, so I haven't seen the PS marketplace for this game, but you can buy, like, the revive tokens, essentially. Like, so when you die, a little lady pops up and is like, hey, do you want to spend one of your tokens and come back right where you are? Or do you want to go back to the beginning and start fresh? And you can buy those tokens. That's, as far as I know, the only thing you can buy right now. I'm sure there's going to be additional stuff because, yeah, you get different, you have different armor, you have different weapons. You can carry up to six weapons at a time because they just break constantly. Uh, you can find animals in the Tower of Barbs. So you can find like frogs and snails and stuff and eat them. Uh, but if you catch it while it's alive and eat it, it gives you a certain amount of health. If you smash it or like attack it to catch it, then it gives you less health. But then if you cook it, it gives you more health. So there's like a fire, there's a gun that just shoots fireworks. So I remember someone taking that and just shooting a frog with it. And when it hits, it initially cooks it like right away. So it's a neat way. It's a neat way to just like flash fry your food and then get the most health from it. And it's really (laughs) neat. It's a really cool idea. Yeah. So. that sounds pretty awesome. I'm definitely going to be looking into this. Uh, and okay, so you reminded me of two things. I remember like five minutes ago, I said I was going to go on a tangent. I'm going to still, but not just yet. Uh, okay. You were just talking about frogs, and that reminded me of my oh, Final, yeah. F- Final Fantasy 15 experience. Just earlier today, I was on a quest where this lady's like, oh, go find these five red frogs. And I'm like, okay, that's very like old school Final Fantasy, like frog hunting. I remember in nine being Queen of Quinn, like hopping around like the fucking swamp. Oh, that was like, God, what? it that- takes. It's so long, and it was. I actually really enjoyed that, like painstakingly long experience of like hop hunting around frogs. So when I was put on a quest in fifteen, I was thinking in the back of my mind, I was like, "Please be something remotely similar to that." No, <laughs> it was just instead. It's just like this big swamp area that's like you see on your map. That's in a big circle, and it's just like go find the frogs. And all it is is just little items like hidden throughout. And it's just like you go up and hit X, and it's like you collected a frog. You collected a frog, and but I was like, no, I wanted them to like. <laughs> run away from me and me have to like jump on their asses and shit but oh well so i, I hated the queen of thing 
just because the frog would jump away from you and then get to an area where you cannot get to it at all. Like, sometimes you'd have to run around the other side and then loop back around, like, to psych it out. Yes, they but troll was, you so hard. Yeah, there's sometimes where you just, you cannot get to it at all. Like, they just didn't map it out so you could. And yep. then you just have to wait for the frog to move on its own. And, like, that annoyed me because sometimes they wouldn't move for a long time. Ah, uh, been there. And then the worst was I was I found four out of the five in like seconds, and then the fifth one, I swear to God, I was there for twenty minutes, being like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this last run?" Yep. So yep. that was awful. Um, but so that was disappointing and just generally just like frustrating. And I think honestly, I uh warped like the thing in that game. You can like uh go to your map and transport to your car where you last left your car, and it was like dark out. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna transport to the car, and then once as soon as you get to your car, you can uh hop in and it'll take you to the nearest town and you're safe. So I get the final f- the fifth frog after this big struggle, warp to the car, and as I get to like my warping, like instantly warp to the car and all of a sudden i'm in a battle because in the middle of the nighttime <laughs> there's like all sorts of daemons out and shit or like demons but uh they yeah. uh i remember it was like basically if you're familiar with final fantasy there's an enemy that's a bomb like this big fiery ball thing well there's like an ice version of that there's like three of them and like some fucking iron giant and they just like just demolish me within seconds before i could even and i think when you're in battle mode you can't even get into the regalia which is the name of the car so i was just like fucked and then i like had to reload my last save and i was like oh man so i've yet i still have to go get those frogs again fuck my life um (laughs) but then the tangent i was gonna go off on was we were talking about microtransactions and microaggressions or whatever but like rocket league (laughs) is pissing me off because you can play a bunch of online matches and like earn certain things like so sometimes you get different wheels and all this other this or other but then sometimes you get these crates and they're full of like awesome shit but the the annoying thing is you can't open these crates without a key and i have a fuckload of like these crates and i'm sure i could really make my car look dope as fuck if i could get these keys and people are all like well if you want keys you have to buy them so i was like you know what i'll see how much they cost maybe i'll spend five bucks i don't really give a fuck buy a couple keys and see what i can do but every single time i've ever logged on my ps4 to go buy anything in the rocket league uh store it just it just like times out and it doesn't ever go through so i i'm unable to get these keys and i have all these crates i have no nothing to do with and i'm sure people would be like oh let's trade and I'll trade you hardcore for these crates. But it's like, I just want to personally open these motherfuckers. Why can't they make it so that after a couple of matches, you can, instead of getting another crate, you get a key so you could actually use the damn thing. It's so frustrating that they like basically force your hand to buy. It's like the forcible microtransaction. It's like, if you want to enjoy this awesome ass, super rare crate that we gave you that could really deck things out you have to pay. And I, and the thing is, I was like, okay, I'm willing to, and I still can't. So I'm like, fuck. (laughs) Or some sort of conversion where it's like, if you trade in four crates, you can get one key sort of something, some way of getting the keys besides just buying them. Exactly. I think that's a common complaint with a lot of games. I mean, that's what it was with, uh, Overwatch during like the summer games. They had the summer, summer Olympic events. And that was the first event they did. And you could only get the summer boxes, you can only get the summer gear by getting through the summer boxes. And once that was over, it was done. And now they have it where if you have enough coins, like enough in-game coins that you get from getting duplicates and stuff, you can't, or yeah, you can't buy it. Um, you can now buy the actual skins and stuff. So like, I'm going to buy my Zenyatta skin, which is 3000 coins. And now I can buy it. Whereas the summer event ones, you couldn't buy them at all. You had to only get them from the boxes. And I've heard some people like, some streamers and YouTubers and stuff who spent like hundreds of dollars 
just to get box after box after box, and they got so many duplicates and never got the one they wanted. Oh, God, that sucks. I think that's a big complaint with, like, I mean, no one likes the microtransactions, but it's it for some of them, it's a way to keep the company and the game running, and for others, it's just a cheap money grab. But if you're going to do it, at least give an alternate way. Like, mobile games have always done it, where it's like, oh, you can either just buy this thing and do it right away, or you can wait seven days and then do it. And it's like, all right, it's kind of a dick move, but at least I have a different way of going about it and still playing the game as opposed to spending more money on it. Yeah, so, I like, hear. Just, just an alternative route. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I wish that was the case with this. I really just, I have all these awesome crates and can't do shit with them, so that's frustrating. So I just yeah. wanted to mention that. Um, Is there any newsy bits before we wrap things up? I mean, we did talk about a lot of newsy things. I don't know. Uh, Sure. Well, speaking of frogs... Uh, we talked about in the last episode, Frog Fractions 2 is out. Yay! And um, the guy, the developer of that is very good at keeping secrets. And he, I mean, he kept the secret of this, of the game, until it actually came out. Um, but apparently, you can import your save file from Mass Effect 2 into Frog Fractions 2. How in the goddamn fuck <laughs> is that even real? And wait, is Frog Fractions 2 now like a full console game, or is it another browser game? I thought I was just assuming it'd be another browser game. I think it's actually on Steam. Wow, that is a, that is an upgrade, and that's what I mean. It started as a viral browser, like, internet sensation, so now that it's like an actual game game that's pretty damn good uh no it's not on steam um i'm not sure where it is uh all right so i think you can just buy it from a third-party website that makes more sense but, okay so it's yeah like- it's, not, it's not a flash game on a website now like it's you have to buy it now okay but um yeah so you can import your save file from mass effect 2 and as far as people can tell all it does is it will like it brings you back to another screen and says like welcome back commander shepherd or whatever your specific commander shepherd name is like john shepherd or like mike shepherd or sarah shepherd um and that's it because the guy won't talk about any more of it like he's like oh yeah and it also does something else but i'll never say it's like you son of a bitch i know well, um, people should just play and find out that's great yeah so like it's one of those things you'll have to do it yourself and find out but it is possible so if you have mass effect 2 for your pc and you got Frog Fractions too. Play around with that. See if there's like hidden Easter eggs or something. Um, I'm interested to see. I I don't get Frog Fractions. I've already said that, and I don't think I'll play Frog Fractions too. But I'm interested to see all the Easter eggs and little hidden bonuses in that game that people discover. Because it seems like one of those crazy games that's just chock full of stuff, and you know it's going to go by for like six years, and someone's going to find something new that no one has ever found before. Like it seems like that type of game. Yeah. So I'm interested to see that. I could very well see that happening. I'm definitely going to have to give it a go at some point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of spending a ton of money on stuff, uh, For Honor, which is getting a lot of attention and looks pretty good. It's like a fighting game. You play as like a knight, a uh, viking, or a samurai sort of stuff. You've probably heard of it by now. Uh, they released their collector's edition, which is going to be $220 ooh, ooh, to get the whole ooh. thing. What the yeah. actual fuck? Like, the, d- does it come with a console? <laughs> <laughs> Mine as well. Uh, from what I could tell, it looks like it comes with a, a litho- exclusive lithograph. Uh, comes with the game. It comes with uh, like a art print that looks really nice. Uh, I think the litho- lithograph is like some sort of note, like a note from Origins or maybe about the origins of the game. 
uh, a nice box that it all comes out, and then like a pretty sick statue, a fourteen inch highly detailed statue of the main character's warlord. So, I guess it's going to be like the note is about that character's origin story. So it looks nice, but two hundred twenty is a hefty price. Like I know there's other big collector's edition for certain games that have statues and are probably more expensive than this, but. For a, a game that kind of has no lore or backstory out about it, like I feel like that's a hefty price to ask for a new IP. I agree. I think like even on the last episode, I was saying how the collector's edition of Final Fantasy 15 was only going for eighty or ninety, which even I thought was steep. But it, and that comes with a CGI movie. <laughs> yeah, and like a ton of information about Final Fantasy stuff. Whereas like For Honor, it's like like I said, it's like. You play as a Viking samurai or a knight. That's all I know about it. I don't know anything else about that game. Yeah, that's really kind of bizarre that that's a choice they went with. I don't know if they have that diehard enough fan base for people to actually buy those up. I I sure hope it's very limited or else they wasted a lot of money making those and on money they're not going to make. I don't know. It's a Uplay exclusive for the collector's case. So, you know, Uplay's not going to fuck anyone over, like, their fans or anything. Uh, <laughs> they yes. don't do that. It's Ubisoft. Why would they ever do that? Assassin's Creed movie. <clears throat> uh, anyway. And as if that wasn't expensive enough, Kojima Productions, like, the new studio Kojima made with the whole uh, Death Stranding and the fucking trippy-ass trailers they're releasing, mm-hmm. uh, they released an image of a statue you can get now of the main character, or rather, they're calling it the mascot, so I don't know its name, but it's um, Norman Reedus's character from Death Stranding in this crazy astronaut suit. But he kind of looks like a, he's got like a, almost like a fin, like on his head, like a Spartan helmet or something, uh, and he kind of looks like this weird Stay Puft Marshmallow Man astronaut, like it looks really like bulky. Uh, and it's got like the skull, the clear glass, and then a skull mask underneath. It's that initial image that first came out about the game. So I guess that's the mascot of the studio now. And you can get that as a statue. Want to take a guess at how much that'll be? Well, my first question is, is it life-size statue or is it just a little like figurine? Uh, it's not like a little figurine. It's uh, 63 inches. So that, wow, that's actually Ooh, pretty big. That is. That is a fucking statue. Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess. I mean, I'm going to go high here. So I'm going to say 1,200. 63. How, what was that? Five feet almost? Yeah, that is almost. Shit, that's bigger than I thought it was. The pictures aren't like it's just in a black room. Like it's not compared to anything. So I didn't realize it was that huge. Okay, now the price is actually more reasonable because <laughs> I thought this was like I thought this was like a ten inch figure, and I was like, "This who the hell would pay this much for it?" Uh, no, it's more than twelve hundred. Like exponentially, or or am I kind of close? Uh, like a good amount. Um, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna round it up and say five grand. Uh, no, not that much. It's two thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. And it's limited to uh, 150 units, so there's only gonna be 150 of them. Still, that is wild. I wonder, I'm yeah. sure they're going to sell actually like hotcakes because people are like huge fans of his work. Oh, yeah. And now he's got the Messiah Complex because uh, Konami shut him down. And Guillermo yeah. de Toro was talking about something where he's like, uh, I actually started watching Troll Hunters, the show he's the executive producer of. It has none of his um, style to it. So if you're looking for a Guillermo de Toro show, that's not what this is. This is a very DreamWorks show that's a, that just has his name on it. Hmm. Uh, and it's good. I finished it. It's a, it's a good show, it's, but it's DreamWorks. So, 
and don't expect some sort of crazy, dark, twisted Guillermo del Toro shit. Um, but the, he did like an interview or something recently, and they're like, how'd 2016 go for you? Because it's been such a terrible year. He's like, oh, yeah, it's been great. We're doing this, this. It's been amazing breakthroughs and all this stuff. Oh, by the way, fuck Konami. Like, he still <laughs> throws it in any chance he can get. And I love him for it. Um, but yeah, so it's, so if you want a, what, five foot tall statue of Kojima's mascot now, it's, I don't know why you would. This thing would be creepy as hell to have in my house. I would not want this. <laughs> but it's two thousand dollars so good luck getting your hands on it yeah totally worth it um all right well that was an interesting one to start off this year uh let's... oh one more thing what's up uh well i'll i won't say these because these are depressing we don't want to start the year off with those uh for me personally and because i mentioned all the time you might want to check this off on the abts bingo card uh hannibal the showrunner for hannibal uh is hinting at it might be a mini series. so if you love Hannibal as much as I do, and you want more of it, it might be coming. Might be. But there's nothing promised yet. Uh, and the studio behind Adventure Time, Fredinator Studios, is, they've done a ton of stuff. Fairly Odd Parents, Danny Phantom, just, you've, if you've seen Nickelodeon in the last decade, you've seen their stuff. Uh, but they're hinting at that they might be making a Castlevania animated series. Whoa. Which would be really cool. Yeah. They haven't said directly, but they, uh, I think someone working on it says they got plans to work on a project that's been 12 years in the making and is about a legendary like video game franchise that's spanned 30 years. So there's not many games that have a long history like that and yeah, when that you, take this long. And when you narrowed down with that criteria, I, I really sure hope that they're talking about Castlevania. That sounds really exciting. I could definitely get into that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see that the studio clearly has uh, successful at running shows, but it'll be really interesting to see who's the show runner and what the style is. Because, like, I love Adventure Time, but if it's a Castlevania show in the style of that, it would suck. Like, that would be really weird. So hopefully it's someone who's good at highly high realism art and animation. Or, you know, maybe they just take it their own way and make it, like, super stylized. But hopefully it's not the weird noodly arm, like, yeah. One dot I uh, Adventure Time style. I know. I love mean. it, but it wouldn't fit the tone. No. Uh, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. Uh, I think they'll be starting on it this year. So I don't think it'll be actually airing until maybe 2018, maybe 2019. Okay. But it, it might be in the works. Might be. Interesting. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was our first episode of the year. Hopefully you had a good time. Let's do some plugs. Brent, where can listeners find you? ABTS, Brendan on Twitter, and Pinecast. I'm going to show for that one more time. Yeah, if you have know someone or are starting a podcast yourself, uh, check out Pinecast.com. It's a great place to host your audio. Uh, we've been doing it for over a year now. It's just an awesome uh, place. <laughs> And they don't pay us to say this because we are them. Oh, well, (laughs) yes, basically. (laughs) Um, And yeah, uh, thanks so much for tuning in, listener. If you like our show, please give us a like or follow on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is ABT Silence. If you want to send in uh, suggestions for our conversation games, you can always do stuff like that over at almostbetterthansilence at gmail.com. And I try to Twitch stream every Tuesday and Thursday over at twitch.tv slash ABT Silence at... 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So hopefully I'll be streaming more this year. I was going to do some New Year's resolutions, but I figured, ah, fuck it. <laughs> we'll just, <laughs> the resolution is to just keep we, going, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, to try and be better. Yes. Oh, I might be streaming, um, was it Rivals of Athera? 
I might be streaming that more because I'd be getting really into that. And I'm, I'm, all, I'm not bad. Like, I'm not shit. Nice. I'll I tune in. I definitely say that. Yeah. And hopefully, maybe Mark or AJ will get a copy of uh, Attack on Titan and we can like three way stream that. That'd be really cool. But uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back next week. See you then. See you.